Welcome to the Nintendo Fusion Podcast, a podcast that fuses past, present, and future Nintendo thought. I'm David, accompanied by my friend Jordan. These past few weeks have been Summer uh, Games Fest, and there's been a few things to talk about. Unfortunately, not too much Nintendo related. Um, if you've been following the podcast, David and I were predicting that on the 14th, that would be when they hold their direct because that would be typically when they would do it during E3. And since uh, we had Pokemon at the time that they typically do Pokemon, we expected the direct to be at that time spot as well. And that turned out to not be the case. So Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> we had hoped on a June 14th direct, I believe, which yeah. was just a couple days ago of the time of recording this. And yeah, it just didn't happen, which was kind of a bummer. But we got some interesting stuff with the, the Games Fest, I guess, uh, this year since E3 is gone. Um, but as for like Nintendo Land, Nintendo News, just as like a little bit of a rundown, we are still expecting one this month. I mean, June is still a great time to announce new projects, show off things that are uh, coming out soon, especially since the 29th is an investors meeting with Nintendo. Yeah. And... I mean, I imagine they'd want to say, look, here are actual trailers we showed all of our fans and the internet about new projects that are actually coming out. And they can be more transparent about that with their investors on what their plan actually is going into the rest of the year. Some people are saying that the direct is scheduled, like the leakers or insiders are saying the direct is scheduled for that same day, but I really don't see that happening. They probably want to have some kind of like metric or measurement on how the, uh, you know, the trailers and whatnot are performing before they actually go into the investors meetings. But unless, unless Nintendo's expecting their stock prices to drop after the direct. And so I, I the mean, investor meeting to happen <laughs> after or before that happens. Uh, I mean, I could see that happening, especially since we have predicted that it is possible that Nintendo is slowing down on a lot of the games that they're releasing because they're preparing for Switch 2 next year. But I don't know. I, I can't see Nintendo dropping the momentum just yet. Yeah, it's kind of a weird position. It's not even guaranteed that we're going to get direct like we've we've had 2020 had no direct either to it um for june they they skipped it entirely when e3 was gone and you could say yeah but they came back for 2021 but 2021 had e3 so it might not be that nintendo actually has as much of an interest in putting a direct in june as the fans think they do and it's just that nintendo just wanted to be part of e3 because they want to be part of e3 right so maybe we won't get anything. <laughs> I think we still will. Um, I could see the 29th. I think so. Everyone's like talking about these leakers and how maybe the leakers are just wrong. But these are pretty credible leakers. It's not like just random Twitter accounts online that have gotten a few things right or wrong. These are people who are actively reporting on the game industry um, or even are part of the game industry in, in some capacity. So like we have real world names like tied to these people <laughs> so they have a bit more <laughs> of a credibility to them so there's at least something there for yeah. people to kind of latch on to <laughs> and they're they're pretty often correct they do get things wrong but like that's just the nature of leaking right um, so i believe it was alana pierce who used to work for ign and i think she's currently a writer at some video game company um she's the one who said the 29th and Nate Drake or Nate the Hate um, from Reset Era 
uh, said end of June. And then after she said the 29th, he said, yeah, I've been hearing either the 28th or the 29th. So those are the two it's coming from. Um, I don't have much reason to doubt them, but just it's, it's still like take with a grain of salt. Uh, I just, I really do hope that they give us something, but I mean, their Twitter is still dropping some little tidbits of information, especially about like new upcoming titles. They're like constantly giving us updates on characters and whatnot for, um, like Xenoblade Chronicles three. Uh, I've seen uh, some tidbits about Splatoon three. And uh, of course the fire emblem, uh, warriors game, whatever it's actually called. I don't really <laughs> care too much for that one. And, uh, I mean, speaking of Nintendo's Twitter, I literally just got a tweet that, uh, Nintendo is announcing Pokemon snap. The N64 game is coming to the N64 emulation service. So I guess they're continuing on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say it's possible Nintendo just wanted to distance themselves from everyone else releasing all their information around the same time um, with there not being like a giant like press coverage event. There's not a whole lot of reason for everyone to be bunched together in one week. Uh, and I believe today we had Square Enix. So we're still having events today. We had Square Enix and there's a lot of murmurings that are rumors that there's going to be another PlayStation event pretty quick here. And if we're only hearing like rumors, I'm sure Nintendo has like a pretty good idea of when that might be. And they might be play playing around that. Right. Like I think Square Enix announced like some Final Fantasy seven story is coming to switch. I didn't pay enough attention to that. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's definitely stuff in the works. I mean, we have a few other rumors, like one that recently happened that you shared like yesterday with me, Jordan was like the next Fire Emblem is apparently done and we got screenshots of the game, which is yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, the fact that there's screenshots is <laughs> uh, pretty big. I believe that one came from Emily Roger. Um, so it sounds like there's a new Fire Emblem game coming. It's supposed to be kind of like an anniversary release sort of thing. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes. That I believe we predicted that was going to show up. But I think we were saying a remake instead of a new game. Yeah, I think that's what we decided on. A new Echoes game since we only have one Echoes game in <laughs> maybe, the subseries. Maybe Shadows of Legend <laughs> just did not do very well. And so they just don't want to continue the Echoes line. Which is such a shame because Shadows of Valencia was one of the best Fire Emblem games like ever made. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Great story. Great characters. A lot of fun. It's just a shame that it's trapped on the 3DS forever. <laughs> yeah. But beyond that, we'll be sure to talk about Nintendo stuff as it comes up. But kind of moving past Nintendo, I know we're a Nintendo podcast, okay? Like, you're going to have to kind of sit with us for a second while we talk about these things because they are big for the gaming industry, um, especially when we get to the final piece of news. That if you've read the title for this podcast, I'm sure you've noticed <laughs> what it is. But, uh, you know, we got like the Xbox um, game showcase. Is that what they called it? Yeah. So it was the Xbox and Bethesda, and Bethesda showcase because it, before this year, Bethesda has typically had their own event because they're huge. Right. So it, an enormous like coming together since uh, Microsoft bought Bethesda, what, a year ago? And it's finalized now. Yeah. And now they're moving on to Activision. Um, it was good. So you can tell Microsoft is paying attention to the criticism of their events. 
because people <laughs> constantly talk about like you show games too early, you are showing too too many cin- cinematics. We want gameplay. You don't show enough games. You don't show enough exclusives. And they're hitting they're they're hitting all those um those marks right here. So like this event, they showed a ton of games. A bunch were exclusive. Uh, every game shown at the event is releasing within the year. And which is insane. <laughs> the majority of it was gameplay. Like there, there were some cinematic only games, which is unfortunate because two of the ones I was most interested in were just purely cinematic. Yeah. Um, but then they also had a big like showcase of Starfield and people are still complaining because there wasn't <laughs> a big exciting reveal to go along with it. It was just kind of like an update on things that are coming out in the year. And when you're playing by the rule of I, we can only show things within a year's time, that's just going to be how it is, right? You're not going to have a ton of opportunities to show some big giant reveal unless if you actually have it in the works and it's coming out soon. Right, exactly. I mean, it would have been cool if there was a, but one more thing, this one is not releasing in 12 months and then gave us some new big project. It would have been nice if they broke the rule for one game for their finisher. And there are some rumors that would have gotten me very excited if they just even just announced that it's in development at the moment. Yeah. Wasn't it like Fallout or the new Elder Scrolls or something? So... Um, they did actually reveal Fallout 5, but not at the, the showcase. Um, so <laughs> Todd, Todd Howard being Todd Howard, uh, he was being interviewed and they were at, talking about Starfield. And then like in this offhand comment, he wasn't even like provoked into it. He's like, yeah, once we're done with Starfield next year, then we're moving on to, um, Elder Scrolls six, which is at pre-production. We can't wait to get started development on that. And then when we're done with that, we'll do Fallout five. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. That's two big things. Just that you slid in there. You're telling me you're actually working on the next Elder Scrolls. And you're working on Fallout <laughs> or like you plan to? <laughs> yeah, well, so we knew Elder Scrolls 6 was already in development because they, they already announced that one. Uh, like they announced that one when they announced Starfield. So, right. But oh man, so this means that Elder Scrolls 6 is in pre production. We got like another four years before that game, and then probably another four years before they start development on Fallout 5. And if they're the ones planning to do Fallout 5, that means they're not giving it to like an Obsidian or another studio. Um, there's been a lot of concern that Bethesda is just sitting too long on the Fallout IP because Fallout 4 was the best selling game for Bethesda, uh, if I remember correctly. And they did very little with it afterwards. They released Fallout 76 and a mobile game that I forgot the name of, Fallout Shelter. <laughs> Um, Good old mobile games. (laughs) And so they're just kind of sitting on it. So a lot of people are saying, hey, Microsoft has in exile. What if you for Fallout 5, instead of doing like the traditional Bethesda RPGs, you go back to Fallout's roots and do like an isometric RPG and call that Fallout 5? Because you could make a game pretty. You you could give the reins of the game to like another big RPG studio and just make it uh, more reminiscent of Fallout 1 and 2. Yeah, they totally could do that. Why don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and ex- in Exile is great. So like the, Microsoft has the development studios. Um, apparently, Microsoft has a policy where they don't like to force games on their studios. They want their studios to come to them with ideas. 
um, which is why they won't like push a banjo on anyone or anything like that. They want a studio to come to them asking that to do banjo themselves. Which in a lot of ways is good for the freedom of the developers, but it also means that if nobody wants to take any of these really great IPs and do something with them, then we don't get anything yeah. with those IPs. Yeah. So I would love a new banjo in the future. Um, there are some rumors <laughs> that a studio did approach Microsoft and that it was greenlit. And so um, I was really hoping to maybe have that be the one more thing at this conference. But when they said like, oh, we're only showing things within the next 12 months, it's like, all right, they're not, they're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, and then the other one was Doom 3. We have a lot of uh, Doom. Th- uh, yeah, Doom, a uh, Doom 3 or a new Quake. We have a lot of evidence to point that both of those are in production, but they're they're both out a ways, obviously, without outside of the, the scope of this year. Yeah, yeah. So lots of big things on the horizon. Yeah, and I also really want to see some gameplay for Perfect Dark, but that's way yeah. out there. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get all of that stuff soon. Um, there are like some... I mean, I know we are a Nintendo podcast, but I also want to point out that like these titles are still really important for the games industry, even if you aren't following along. And sometimes the success of these huge games really pushes the rest of the industry, including even some Nintendo developers, to take ideas and kind of follow the trends a little bit. I mean, I know Zelda Breath of the Wild really cracked open the open world formula for everybody, (laughs) but sometimes Nintendo also kind of pulls ideas from other things. I mean, we know that Sakurai, even though he's not currently working on a game or so he says, um, plays a lot of other studios games and then incorporates a lot of those ideas. Like a lot of Smash Bros. Ultimate's menu design and stuff was based off of like Persona 5 and a lot of other little things happen like that. So game developers and game studios really do kind of look at each other and the success of different games and platforms. I mean, kind of pivoting topics here a little bit, but still within the Xbox stuff. <clears throat> um, we also have like the announcement of Overwatch. Now that Overwatch, uh, you know, the Blizzard team that made Overwatch is in process of being purchased by Microsoft. They finally came out with like a new trailer and an actual release date for Overwatch 2, which was announced in like 2018 or something ridiculous. And then even though it was supposed to just be like an addition, like the next version of Overwatch. And I mean, it looks pretty cool. And today they had another event for just Overwatch where they detailed that they're shifting to a battle pass format in a free to play environment, which means that they're actually looking at games like Fortnite and I guess Apex Legends and Valorant and other types of these free to play shooter games and pulling that in. And it looks like, you know, a lot of these ideas are rubbing off across the community. I'm really excited for Overwatch 2. I remember, Jordan, you said in our text chat, this doesn't look any different from Overwatch 1. <laughs> I, I can't tell the difference. They look the exact same. <laughs> I mean, I can because I have a lot of hours in Overwatch 1. But yeah, no, I totally agree. It does not look that different. <laughs> and part of me thinks that that's on purpose. Well, I yeah. don't know. Anyway, um, They did update a lot of the engines in the game, so the visuals are actually new. The sound design is completely different. They've recorded tons of new voice lines for the characters. They've redesigned a lot of the um, base skins for the characters and whatnot. But like, (laughs) yeah, Overwatch needed a a revival, but I won't sit and talk about Overwatch on the podcast here. But anyway, like my, my whole point is like, Xbox is like really leading the pack right now when it comes to game development which is kind of crazy 
I think. Well, they have so many studios now, like they've been yeah, gobbling everyone up. The problem with Microsoft at the moment is they have a ton of development power, but we haven't really seen the fruits of their labor yet. Um, we're still just waiting for like what a post buyout game looks out looks like for most of these studios. Right. Cause most of these buyouts were what, like within the last three, four or five years. Right. And so like they were all finishing up their projects beforehand, uh, completing their contracts. And so a bunch of them are now transitioning to, uh, their games are 100% product produced by Microsoft. So I think um, Obsidian at this point is 100% Microsoft once Grounded is done. I don't think Grounded was fully Microsoft. Um, I think they started that beforehand, but we already know from Obsidian, like we've, we've got Outer Worlds 2 and Avowed coming out. Both are very hyped games um, eventually. <laughs> like that's the other thing. Microsoft has tons of like really big projects that they just announced way too soon. And so it made this event kind of odd to watch because a lot of the things people are really excited about just didn't show up to this event because Microsoft didn't have the policy of only announcing within a 12 month period for years up to this point. And it's then suddenly shifted. So we didn't hear about Avowed. We didn't hear about Outer Worlds 2 or Fable um, or Perfect Dark, which are like the big four everyone's talking about. Yeah, yeah. But hey, there was one surprise for sure. Minecraft Legends, Jordan. <laughs> um, the prequel game to Minecraft that doesn't really have a story. Game. <laughs> <laughs> so There's weird. a war? Apparently. <laughs> it, it takes place before like a player would drop into a world in Minecraft, which is weird. Huh. I played um what was the other Minecraft game? Minecraft Dungeons. Uh, well, they were there was dungeons and there was like story mode. There were two. Oh. Yeah, I played Dungeons and it was fun but really shallow uh which i guess you could expect out of a minecraft game so i imagine when they're saying like this is going to be a strategy game it'll probably be a watered down tooth and tail that's what it looked like to me but yeah it's much more like yeah it's like a strategy where it looks like you control a lot of different characters well you only control one character right oh right you control one character commanding other characters right right, sort of like tooth and tail um, it's not a full RTS. No, <laughs> it's not a Fire Emblem or uh, XCOM game. So, but anyway, I, I thought it looked really nice. The visuals look pleasing and it is coming to Nintendo Switch. So there you go. Yeah. On that note, uh, one one takeaway from this event, well, not just this event, but all of Summer Games Fest so far is, man, we're definitely seeing uh the switch being a bit <laughs> left behind now <laughs> abandoned. Yeah. Not a, not a lot of games are being announced to also be coming to switch. Everyone's moving to next gen, which admittedly is fair. It's just, I wish Nintendo would keep up with the times. I know. <clears throat> I mean, kind of the problem that Nintendo ran into was not having powerful enough hardware to scale up. And the switch is now five years old. So we we've said this a lot. The switch really does need a revision, which is why switch Two being sooner than later makes more sense, especially with the third parties just dropping it. So yeah, some other, uh, the, the big games revealed at Microsoft's event were Starfield and Redfall. I'm excited for Starfield, but like the online discourse seems to be pretty sour on it. Um, it's a lot of people think that it looks like fallout four, but not as fun. <laughs> that that's the major thing I've been hearing. And that might just be because you can't please everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it feels like a very muted 
Fallout 4. And like, I can see where people are coming from with that. Like it, it's Fallout 4. It, it looks like it runs and plays like Fallout 4 plus with the ability to make ships and um, it doesn't have like the tongue in cheek that Fallout, that Fallout has. Yeah, I saw some people also complaining that Starfield's world looks too big. Like the number of planets and the size <laughs> of the planets, planets you can explore. Well, oh man. So like he says, so Todd Howard said a thousand planets and like in the sentence afterwards, I don't remember exact the exact sentence, but he was basically saying like, and there's this planet and then the frozen barren planet of this. And it's like, wow, I guarantee there's nothing of interest at that planet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> um. So I imagine, so they said that they use procedurally generated worlds but it won't be like procedurally generated as you're playing they are statically designed it's just that they procedurally generated them in development and then tweaked them afterwards is what right I got out of it that that's what i understood as well um they also said you won't be able to seamlessly travel from through space from one planet to the other planet and some people were upset but i was like man i don't need wind waker in space <laughs> so <laughs> I think that was a good design choice from Bethesda. Very good choice, honestly. It, it makes it feel more like Mass Effect, like, you know, expanding yeah. upon the way Mass Effect was able to just transport you between locations. Even yeah, though it, Mass Effect wasn't nearly as open. Yeah, <laughs> and it sounds like they're uh, responding to a lot of the critiques of the story for Fallout 4 um, and kind of moving back towards a more traditional Bethesda story structure. Mm, so That makes sense. I don't think we have enough information to make too much of a judgment call but i am excited to play it and if it's bad whatever it's on game pass it cost me like ten dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's one of the crazy things is how many of these games are coming to game pass like well, all the day more, one. Yeah. like every single one yeah microsoft is leaning hard into the subscription model because it will make more money over time so it's it's crazy to me i i wish that nintendo would do that more you know, like they have the premium online service. They should just start releasing some of their older games. Like, I mean, if they put Odyssey or Breath of the Wild on there, I imagine more people would buy the online stuff to play those <laughs> games. But they want the full sales because Nintendo never puts anything on sale. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get a subscription service from Nintendo next generation. They seem to be typically a generation or two behind everyone. And right. since we just got PlayStations last week, Right. I, I, was, I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> I imagine Nintendo's going to be pretty, not not pretty quick, but within the next five years. Yeah. I mean, they did talk about like how they want to provide additional content and whatnot for actual subscribers and stuff in one of their investor meetings just a few months ago. So I could see that being planned, though, knowing Nintendo, there'll probably be some sort of caveat to it. So we'll have to see. Yeah. I think Nintendo's paying attention to the model and I think it would work really well with Nintendo, especially since they have all that legacy content. The one thing Nintendo needs to learn, though, is don't do trickle down <laughs> release schedules. Just right. throw up your entire virtual console library up immediately. I would have been way more excited for the N64 library if there were more games at launch. Yeah. Like, and we just I, got the announcement like 10 minutes ago that Snap is coming. Like, why wasn't that on sooner? If they want to like have a slow trickle of games they don't own the publishing rights for that's fine i understand that but all the games that they own publishing rights for and aren't doing like active development for such as like multiplayer options for online just throw it out like just exactly just have it available especially since a lot of the emulation problems that we know happen with the n64 have been solved by the community and have been archived by the community 
like every single issue that I've seen people talk about with like Ocarina of Time's emulation on the N64, they're like, if you look at the Project N64 forums from like 10 years ago, they figured out how to solve that in their emulator and they did this. Like, and I don't know. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that thought other than Nintendo has the resources to even just look at some of the solutions that their fans have made because they own the rights to the games anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, (laughs) moving on, I guess, from the Xbox stuff, we are super excited for a lot of these titles. Like, don't get us wrong, but there's one that we are much more excited about, right? There's one more I want to like quickly. Okay, one more. Um, It wasn't in the Xbox showcase. It was in the Jeff Keighley showcase. (laughs) <laughs> um, the Jeff Keighley show. Yeah, so they they announced Stormgate, uh which I'm super hyped about. Like this is probably what, this is one of the biggest reveals so far this year in my opinion. Um and they did and I have heard like very little uh discourse about it online. Like not a lot of people are talking about it and it's like blowing my mind because so remember when Activision started like crumbling apart and became like absolutely horrible? <laughs> yeah. A lot of employees left Activision during that time and started a new studio specifically to make Blizzard style RTSs. Stormgate is that game. It's oh. it's Starcraft three, basically. Uh, well, it's I'm going to be- have to keep my eye on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's being made by like a huge amount of like ex developers from the Starcraft and Warcraft teams to, to basically be Starcraft three. Uh, we didn't see any gameplay at Jeff Keighley's awards. I don't think the Jeff Keighley show like really explained very well why this is a big deal. But at the PC game showcase, they did show a bit of gameplay. And like you can tell, like one of the demons has like the exact movement patterns as a Zergling. Like it's just straight up a Zergling. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it's it's uh, Starcraft three. Uh, we're getting open beta next year and this one I'm very excited for because RTSs for a while went very dormant. They kind of, sort of like how like Metroidvania has disappeared for like a decade and now it's coming back because like Microsoft also announced a new RTS as well called Aura. They didn't show any gameplay, which was frustrating. Um, <laughs> but Microsoft also released Age of Empires 4 last year. So we're starting to get more RTSs again. So it's it's good. Yeah, RTSs are really fun, especially if you like strategy stuff. So That's really cool. I'm going to have to keep my eye on that one for sure. Sounds really interesting. But moving on to the one that, you know, we kind of want to talk about and focus the last uh, bit of our episode on. Um, Near the beginning of the Xbox and Bethesda showcase, (laughs) they just started playing a trailer that just had like two little um, bits of... um, uh, silk just appear and then we heard hornet cry and i was just like no way are you kidding me we're actually getting a silk song trailer here it was so cool their silence the trailer's has finally amazing. been broken <laughs> yeah like i do want to pull point out the history here um so one of the big events where we got a lot of news was 2019 e3 um and this was actually done by nintendo's treehouse they had a whole bunch of gameplay. They actually showed off like two different areas, how a Hornet moves, um, some of her tools and other things that she was actually doing. And it was really awesome. And we were like, sweet, we're excited for this game to come. And they wouldn't give us a release date. After that, we got a sign off on the Team Cherry blog page where they kind of just talked a little bit about how the game is uh, continuing to progress and they're really happy with it and excited to share more in the future, blah, blah, blah. Then we didn't get anything for all of 2020 until like the last day of December 
where Edge Magazine published a piece on Silksong and some of its mechanics. A lot of it was a stuff that we already knew about the game, but they expanded on a couple of things. And then it was Radio Silence, literally for a year and a half after a previous year of Radio Silence. And then, boom, we got our trailer. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, I was very, very happy to see this. This is one of my most hyped games that I'm waiting on <laughs> overall because Hollow Knight is basically a perfect game. <laughs> I, I can't argue with there, you there. It literally is a perfect game. It's so good. It's one of my favorite games. It's easily one of the best Metroidvanias ever made um, and definitely brought back a lot of attention to the genre. We, we were getting some Metroidvanias like before Hollow Knight. Um, and they were like semi big, but now like we, we get quite a few Metroidvanias now because of Hollow Knight. And like we said in our Metroid Dread podcast, uh, we suspect that Hollow Knight influenced Dread in some regards. So, yes, yes, absolutely. Very excited to see Hornet or. Oh, yes, I love Hornet. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she is my favorite character besides the knight from Hollow Knight. For sure. I love her. I, I was so happy after the event. I went and put on this uh, T-shirt that I got, I think, in 2019, in Christmas 2019 of uh, Hornet. It, it's so cool. Like some fan art of her on a T-shirt. And I was just like, yes, finally, I can wear this <laughs> shirt because there was some news. <laughs> but I mean, I I just love Hornet. The game looks absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we could spend an entire episode talking about how much we love Hollow Knight. And honestly, we just might because, I mean, we love it so much and it is a perfect game. Yeah. But like Silk Song just looks so good, Jordan. What what have they done? <laughs> like, <laughs> It looks better than Hollow Knight in a lot of regards. Yeah. So it looks a lot more combat focused. So in Hollow Knight, you had like the badge system for customization. And this one's more focused on tools, which are alternate like fighting weapons. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that has a large effect on how you approach battle um, in these games. Right, especially since most of them are like limited use and you have yeah. to like sit at a bench and use items you collect to repair a lot of them. Yeah, um, we got like a bunch of new ones like the, the drill ability looked pretty interesting. That looks um, so cool. Yeah, the, the one where you throw up a, a bunch of like spike mines that enemies fly into looked pretty sweet. Right. Uh, it. It's uh, basically the same item that Hornet uses in her fights against you, like her final fight, I believe. Uh, so yeah. it's cool to see that she has those still. Yeah. So they are paying attention to like the lore of Hollow Knight for like design of this game. So, yeah. And they're expanding upon things. I mean, if you want to go into a little bit of lore, they had white flowers everywhere, which are hugely important to the lore of Hollow Knight itself. They seem to have an ability to fight back the void. So there might be something where we're going to get some sort of connection in the future between um, Hornet taking some white flowers back to hollow nest or something. If she ever goes back since we aren't sure which of the endings were actually canonical. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we have an idea, but uh, the, the super final secret ending, I won't spoil it is really weird. And uh, it's hard to place how that will affect the timeline. But anyway, if you want like a really deep, dive into the minute long trailer uh you could check out moss bag on youtube yeah, i don't know I if you've ever heard of him jordan yeah moss bag's great um there was a meme going around that the reason why we weren't getting any hollow knight news is because team cherry's afraid moss bag would reveal all of all the game secrets from one trailer 
And because of that, people were, uh, I think it was the Hollow Knight Reddit, uh, then went on saying, well, we must sacrifice Mossbag then. And like, like their memes are about like <laughs> throwing Mossbag in a volcano and stuff. Mossbag's content is insane. Like he's a funny content creator to begin with, but like his knowledge of the Hollow Knight lore and timeline is nuts. Like if you like Hollow Knight and you want to understand a little bit more about some of the like deeper things that you can glean from it, definitely check out his channel. He especially talks about like why the white flowers are so important and other other things as well. But anyway, uh, not a lot of like characters were introduced in this trailer. It was definitely much more focused on action, which was awesome. I love seeing the gameplay for it. Um, I am excited to see more about the story. We know that Hornet basically gets captured at the beginning of the game and then has to do something in this new world or area. Um, Really cool stuff. Um, One thing I did want to talk about that apparently was a challenge for Team Cherry was uh, Hornet's size. Her model size is like twice as tall as the knight. So they had a much harder time designing the world around the larger character that is Hornet. So there's a lot more verticality in the game than there was in uh, uh, the original Hollow Knight. And that's why we actually see a lot of those um, gusts that carry her up in the trailer. Uh, yeah. to, to be able to make the world, you know, seamless and interconnected rather than using elevators and whatnot, like Metroid and Hollow Knight did. It seems like Hornet's going to have a lot more action of running around these areas and just like soaring up these air columns or falling down these massive chambers. I mean, it just looks so cool. It is surprising just like how much the dimensions of the character model changes the entire world of the game. Exactly. It is crazy. Like, I'm sure it even had changed how they had to approach boss fights. Yeah. You know, like being able to make it so that she can sneak under, uh, you know, short jumps or whatever. The knight in Hollow Knight, you know, he can just do a little dash or even just walk under them because he's so tiny. But Hornet's much bigger. (laughs) A lot more mechanically impressive than Hollow Knight did. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hollow Knight looks pretty simple in terms of combat versus this game. For real, it honestly like reminds me of like the combat differences between um, Shovel Knight and like the Spectre Knight expansion. Oh, yeah. Like Spectre Knight also focused a lot more on combat than it did the platforming. There was a lot of still really cool platforming, but there were way more options for fighting than, um, you know, Shovel Knight had. So it's cool to see that transferring as well. I do think it's interesting that they didn't really give a lot of opportunity to extract a lot of lore out of this. I think they stuck to just the first two beginning areas because all the basically the entire trailer was locked to just two regions. And I believe both of them, they've been revealed before. One yeah, being, we got the two regions before. Yeah. yeah, the ant region, which is like where the fire ants live. And then the plague region where the, the flies live, because which is neat because I don't think we had flies our house flies and uh, ants in the f- first Hollow Knight. Yeah, so, we had some flies, but they were mostly like the gigantic gross flies. Right. They were very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's fun. Uh, I like seeing what creative ways they uh, play around with bugs and how they would interact in this kind of sentient world, what kind of cultures they would have and all that stuff. I'm very excited for the ant kingdom, though. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very cool. I mean, one thing that I am also curious about is like, what is making all of these bugs attack you this time? Um, they seem to be troubled because 
They've mentioned a couple of times that the new region is like troubled in some way, but it's definitely not the, uh, what, what did they call it in hollow Knight? The like, so I don't remember where I heard this theory. It might've been moss bag, but some of the bosses you can see trails of silk kind of puppeting them. And so the idea is that all these monsters are being controlled by silk. Uh, like a puppet and so that's also reason for the verticality because at the top of the world is the puppet master of everything going on that's super cool i hope that's the case and it also ties into the whole silk song thing like yes hornet is a spider and she uses silk in all of her well well, she was raised by spiders yes (laughs) i mean if you want to get technical she was raised by the weavers yeah. But she's also like kind of half spider in some ways. I don't know. It Well, I think she's a um oh, what are they called? They're the vessels. The vessels. Like the knight. She's the vessel, but like they kind of put a soul into her. Right, but the soul is also kind of based on Hera. Right. So I guess yeah, so she has the soul of the spider. Yeah, it's weird. She's such an interesting character. That's why I love her. Plus her music is so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The music in that trailer is phenomenal. Oh, I'm so excited to listen to it all. I'm so excited for the Silk Song uh, soundtrack. Yeah, I'm going to buy it as soon as it's available. (laughs) Though I probably should beat the game first because a lot of soundtracks typically have spoilers for end uh, areas and final boss fights. Though I imagine that the composer will probably hold off on releasing the soundtrack until a couple weeks after the game's release. Some composers do that. Now, there was a bunch of confusion when it was announced that maybe, oh, it's on the Xbox showcase and there was no mention of the Switch in the showcase. So it must be an Xbox exclusive. No, it's still coming to Switch. Uh, We don't have a a reveal for PlayStation, but we, we do know it's coming to Switch, Xbox and PC at the very least. Right. So this was also the Xbox announcement. Yeah, the Xbox reveal. (laughs) So now we know it's coming for Xbox and PC. Right. And Hollow Knight originally was PC first, PC and Mac, and then it was for Switch for a long time, and then it came out to Xbox and PlayStation. Right. So that's kind of why we typically associate Hollow Knight with the Switch, because it was on the Switch as a console first. Um, Even though it is technically a PC game first, I guess, but whatever. PC gets a lot of things first anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was originally planned to be a Wii U game. (laughs) True. True. That was in its Kickstarter, and uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell everyone, but you're not ever going to get your Wii U copy redeemed. Okay, <laughs> but I will say that the Wii U had a great indie Metroidvania game on it with Axiom Verge. Yeah. But now Axiom Verge is on every other console, so it's not like it's a Wii U exclusive. <laughs> Plus, Axiom Verge apparently did well enough that they got a significant amount of funding from, like, I think PlayStation and Sony, and they released a sequel just to I guess a few months ago within oh, the last year. Yeah. And uh, they have announced uh, the, the creator says that he has room or ideas for like four or five more games. Oh, man. So I still need to finish the last one. <laughs> you didn't finish the first game. Yeah, I didn't finish the first game yet. It's fun. I mean, it's a very interesting world for sure. But anyway, we're, we're not here to talk about Axiom Verge, um, even though it is a Metroidvania. Um, as for Silksong, um, I'm really excited that they're adding what seems to be more um, environmental hazards to the game uh, than Hollow Knight had. Uh, Hollow Knight had a lot of platforming and a lot of things around hazards themselves, but they specifically showed a moment where you have a timed escape sequence, which I don't think we had in Hollow Knight, right? 
Uh, like nope. she's literally being chased up a vertical room by lava. Yeah. And I don't like think straight out of a Metroid that. game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe they took some inspiration from dread, I guess probably not because team cherry has been working on this game. I'm for sure so they are. Uh, I'm sure both like, cause like those are the two biggest uh, Metroidvania uh, series at the moment, Metroid and hollow Knight. Right. So I'm sure they're both feeding off of each other on ideas. I'm sure they're both fans of each other's games. Uh, there's not like a toxic rivalry between them. And no. it's not like there's a lot of games in the genre. And if you're making, if you love the genre enough to make the best games in the genre, I'm sure you're playing the other top games in that genre as well. So whether in- intended or not, I'm sure they're influencing each other. That's such good news for the Metroidvania genre in general, though. Like when you have two powerhouses like Metroid Dread and Hollow Knight and Silk Song kind of leading the charge. I just I can't wait for where the games are going to go in the next like five to ten years. They'll probably be even better. Yeah, it's very exciting that the genre, despite being over 30 years old, is still pushing new ground. It's so cool. I mean, yeah, a lot of people are like Hollow Knight takes a lot of souls uh, elements with the way that the boss fights work. And I'm like, okay. But just because it's a hard boss doesn't mean it's in <laughs> directly a Souls game. Well, <laughs> I, w- I would say Hollow Knight is a Souls-like game because it also has um, you drop your souls effectively whenever you die and you You're lose true. half your basically your hu- humanity till you go pick it up again. Um, and the boss fights are very reminiscent of Souls-like game design. So Right. But what I'm getting at with that is too many people are saying that too many games are souls likes oh. just because they have hard bosses. <laughs> I don't think it's a problem. Also, I want to point out um, the first Dark Souls game is also a Metroidvania. So, yeah, that's very true. But FromSoft has abandoned their Metroidvania ness. <laughs> uh, such a shame. But that's okay. Elden Ring is still amazing. <laughs> yeah, Elden Ring's phenomenal. I don't know. I don't really have too much else to say about Silk Song right now, mostly because we only really have the information from the trailers and the little reveals. I mean, I am really excited for this new world. I fell in love hardcore with the world of uh, Hollow Nest. Or <laughs> did I say that right? I literally just short circuited, but I, I fell in love with the world of Hollow Knight and uh, Hollow Nest and uh, loved every minute of playing through hollow Knight, I've played through it several times. I've gotten really far in the, uh, pantheon of the gods challenges. And then I kind of was like, I can't keep trying this. This is driving me insane. And so I <laughs> have stepped away from it since <laughs> uh, it's hard. It's so hard. It's so fun, but it is so hard. And I love seeing people just absolutely bust the game open. I really want to try one of the hollow Knight randomizers one day. I think that that would be so fun to play. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, Hollow Knight is just such a huge game. It's a huge part of me. Uh, You know, I love Metroidvanias and Jordan does too, of course. You know, Metroid Dread is a game that we talk about pretty much every single episode now. (laughs) We have continued that tradition. How long do we (laughs) stop being a Nintendo podcast and just talk about Metroid every week? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if we can talk about Metroid content every (laughs) single week. That's not good for uh, growing an audience, I don't think. (laughs) We'll just throw in some Pokemon episodes every now and then to get an audience. Right, because our Pokemon episodes do pretty well. A lot of people like listening to those. But uh, anyway, um, I am just so beyond excited for Silk Song. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. They've been working on it so long, and Team Cherry does not cut corners. I mean, 
they could have released this game in 2019 and we all would have loved it and been happy with it, but they gave themselves three, maybe four <laughs> extra years since we still don't have a release date and it's coming within the next 12 months, I guess, if we're to believe the Microsoft <laughs> uh, event. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing, right? So I believe it was with the development of the first Hollow Knight. They uh, said that they just kept the way they like designing their worlds is they don't plan too much in advance. They want things to uh, grow organically, whereas they're like developing, they'd be like, oh, this would be like really cool if this like was here or this looks like it would be here. And everything just sort of like sprouts out and the world kind of like grows on its own, um, which in the development world we call feature creep, <laughs> which is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> technically not the best approach for most design but for from an artistic standpoint it works great um yeah the problem is they said the only reason why they released hollow knight when they did was because they ran out of money and eating <laughs> food is nice so yeah. with how successful hollow knight was um it was definitely going to take a very long time before they ran out of money and now <laughs> if microsoft gave them more money we're never seeing this game <laughs> <laughs> Please don't tell me that. Don't say that. Uh, no, but it's so true. We love Team Cherry. We're, we love the games that they make. But yeah, they do have a problem with not stopping. All right. So that's Silk Song. Uh, we're very excited for what's to come. Uh, it was just a huge joy to get any news at all. And hopefully <laughs> it comes out in the next year. Hopefully. I'm sure we'll talk about Hollow Knight some more up to its release. Um, right now. We'll we'll do another like playthrough of Hollow Knight and do a full dedicated Hollow Knight episode uh, before the game I, comes out. I think it deserves an episode of our podcast, considering how much we love it. So I I mean I'm planning on playing through it, and then we should definitely talk about it. So look forward to that for sure. Uh, anyway, I'm just so excited for Hollow Knight uh, Silk Song Jordan. I'm just so excited, and I just cannot wait for it to come out. Do you have any other words that you'd like to say about Silk Song before we wrap things up? I think I'm good. All right. Well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate you listening. I know we talked a lot about non-Nintendo games that are coming out soon, but we do believe it's important for the industry to at least let you guys know that we are aware of them and that we do play games beyond Nintendo so that we have a broader set of opinions uh, when it comes to games themselves. Uh, we are definitely excited for Silk Song, so we will talk about that more as it gets closer. But anyway, uh, if you liked the episode, please be sure to leave us a like on YouTube, drop us a comment or a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Uh, that helps folks find our show so that, you know, more people can take a listen and uh, enjoy the types of discussions that we have about Metroid Dread every single week. Uh, <laughs> uh, beyond that, come check out our Discord at nintendfusion.com slash Discord and talk with us about your favorite Nintendo games, how excited you are for Silk Song and how much you love Metroid Dread. And uh, that's pretty much all of that kind of end business that I've got. So thank you again for listening to this episode of the Nintendo Fusion podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. See ya.